invite you to pray with me. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father in heaven, almighty God, you are so good. We have sung of your praises. We've adored you. We've worshiped you. We praise you. And so now as we take this time to hear from your word, God, we ask and pray that you would now open us, open up our hearts and minds, Lord, to receive your love and your grace and your truth. Lord God, your word is powerful. It's breathed by you, inspired by you, sharper than any double-edged sword. It doesn't return to you void. It accomplishes its work. And so we look to you, your written word. We look to Jesus, the living word, who is our living hope. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Today, uh, I stand I stand in awe. I stand before you in awe of God and humbled. Humbled to be called as the next senior pastor of New Providence Presbyterian Church. I mean, every day I continue to marvel at this story. This is a story that only God could write. And it's a story that has his marks all over it. As I've shared in opening sermons here, that God is the author and editor of our story. Right? And as we surrender to his love, we surrender the pen of our lives to him. He writes our stories. And he does so in a magnificent way. And if we're open to the adventure of faith, and we're, if we're open to where he leads and guides us, there's forgiveness, there's life, there's hope, there's renewal, there's restoration, and there's new chapters and new starts. And uh, so we enter into this new chapter together uh, today, continuing into this new chapter. And what a glorious new chapter it is. I mean... This church has meant so much to me. And this community of New Providence and the surrounding towns has meant so much to me. And so here I stand, again, humbled and also honored to, to answer this call from God to come and to serve and to love and to lead you into this next chapter. And so the question is, how do we move forward together? What does that look like? What does that feel like? Right? What's the expected answer? The expectant answer, and it's the true answer, is we look to God. We look to God and we look to his word. We look to him to f- listen for his word, to trust his word, to follow his word, to follow his voice, and to go, to go. Right? As we see throughout scripture, God is a God who calls us to go. And his people are always a people on the move, not stagnant, not sitting still, not playing it safe, not looking for security for security's sake, but on the move and going. And so we see that in the, in the words that were just read, right? In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Abram, right? God calls Abram to go, right? These words in 12, 1, I'll read them again. The Lord said to Abram, go, right? Go from your country, go from your people, go from your father's household to the land I will show you. To go, to go, right? And so Abram is a man who's called to go. And then where is he called to go? He's called to leave Right, these different entities, to leave his people, leave his land, leave his father's household. But God doesn't leave him without direction. He says, to go to the land that I've promised you. And as you read the next couple verses, we heard those just minutes ago. We see that God promises Abram blessings. Blessings in the form of land, descendants, and to be a blessed people. So Abram's name would be famous? No, not, absolutely not. So that God would be glorified and that he, Abram would be a blessing for others, right? Blessed to be a blessing, 
Right? It's a phrase that has meant so much to me as we think about all the Christian life, as we read throughout Scripture, that God blesses people not for their own glory, not for their own purposes, not for their own security even, but to be a blessing for others. Right? That God's grace flows to us and through us to others. We're all called to be, a bless, ble- called to be blessed to be a blessing. And that's what we see with Abram. But what happened before Abram received this call? Lesser known, if you go back, everyone loves to pick up Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, and this call for Abram to go. But a couple verses earlier, it's interesting, in chapter 11, verse 31, we read this. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. Now listen to this verse. Listen to the sentence. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. They settled there. Right? If this was a normal description, it, would just, it seems like a normal description. They were on the move, and, and they stopped. You know, it's like a rest stop on a road trip, right? but it was longer than that. They stopped and settled. But there's a key word in this, in that, in this verse, and it's the first word of that last sentence, but. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Right, the author of Genesis is keying us into the fact that this is not a good thing. That they weren't meant to settle there. They weren't meant to stay there. And that's when God woke them up later and said, go. He said, Abram, go from this place. Go now. But they settled. Right, the word settle in the Bible is rarely a good thing. Right, because God doesn't want us to settle. He doesn't want us to become stagnant. He doesn't want us to give in to the temptation to want to remain comfortable and play it safe. Though that it's very easy to do, isn't it? Right? There's a gravitational pull in all of our lives to play it safe, to, to seek comfort and security. But God is a God who loves to stir things up. And he stirs up our faith. He calls us to go. He calls us to be on the move. And he stirs up our faith so that then we have to rely on him more and have a deeper dependence on him. A mindset that's shaped by a call to go as opposed to a, a mindset that's shaped by a call to settle. And so I call this to, uh, to, be, to be on the alert and be aware of a settler mindset. Right? Be careful that you fall into a settler mindset. God calls us to go and to blaze trails. And in a different mindset, what I'll call having a pioneer mindset. Right? A call to go. And where do I also get this from? Well, author Brennan Manning in his book, The Relentless Tenderness of Jesus, Right in the third chapter, it's called Freedom Under the Word. He refers to two kinds of lives, two kinds of visions of life. And he refers to an author, Wes Seeliger's book, Western Theology. And in this, it offers two visions of life and faith. One that he calls settlers, one that he calls pioneers. Um, I rarely do this, but I want to read from that book a large section. So it's story time. You ready for story time on Sunday morning? I think everyone loves story time. Uh, I'm going to read from this book, um, and as we do, I want you to listen to the difference between settlers and pioneers, and be warned, this is not going to be a comfortable read. If you came to be comforted this morning at church, you might be a little, might have a little bit of discomfort. I know this reading is a little uncomfortable for me because it challenges my pull and desire to play it safe and to be comfortable when God says, come, play with me, come to the adventure of faith. So reading from chapter 3 in this book, uh, if I could find it, here we are. Listen to these words. 
There are two visions of life, two kinds of people. The first see life as a possession to be carefully guarded. They are called settlers. The second see life as a wild, fantastic, explosive gift. They are called pioneers. These two types give rise to two kinds of theology, settler theology and pioneer theology. According to Wes Selinger in his book, Western Theology, the first kind, settler theology, is an attempt to answer all the questions, define and housebreak some sort of supreme being, and establish the status quo on golden tablets in a cinemascope. Pioneer theology is an attempt to talk about what it means to receive the strange gift of life. The Wild West is the setting for both theologies. So you ready? Topic number one, the church. In settler theology, the church is the courthouse. It is the center of town. The old stone structure dominates the town square. Its windows are small, and this makes things dark inside. Written within the courthouse walls, records are kept, taxes collected, trials held for the bad guys. The courthouse is the settler's symbol of law, order, stability, and most important, security. The mayor's office is on the top floor. His eagle eye ferrets out the smallest details of town life. In pioneer theology, the church is the covered wagon. It's a house on wheels, always on the move. The covered wagon is where the pioneers eat, sleep, fight, love, and die. It bears the marks of life and movement. It creaks, is scarred with arrows, bandaged with bailing wire. The covered wagon is always where the action is. It moves toward the future and doesn't bother to glorify its own ruts. The old wagon is not comfortable, but the pioneers don't mind. They're more into adventure than comfort. Next topic, the mayor. In settler theology, God is the mayor. He is a sight to behold, dressed like a dude from the east. He lounges in an overstuffed chair in his courthouse office. He keeps the blinds drawn. No one sees him or knows him directly. But since there is order in the town, who can deny that he is there? The mayor is predictable and is always on schedule. The settlers fear the mayor, but look to him to clear the payroll and keep things going. Peace and quiet are the mayor's main concerns. That's why he sends the sheriff to check on pioneers who ride into town. In pioneer theology, God is the trail boss. He is rough and rugged, full of life. He chews tobacco, drinks straight whiskey. The trail boss lives, eats, sleeps, and fights with his people. Their well-being is his concern. Without him, the wagon wouldn't move. Living as a free man would be impossible. The trail boss often gets down in the mud with the pioneers to help push the wagon, which often gets stuck. He prods the pioneers when they get soft and want to turn back. His fist is an expression of his concern. Next topic, Jesus. In settler theology, Jesus is the sheriff. He's the guy who's sent by the mayor to enforce the rules. He wears a white hat, drinks milk, outdraws the bad guys. The sheriff decides who is thrown into jail. There's a saying in town that goes, those who believe that the mayor sent the sheriff and follow the rules, they won't stay in Boot Hill when it comes their time. In pioneer theology, Jesus is the scout. 
He rides out ahead to find out which way the pioneers should go. He lives all the dangers of the trail. The scout suffers every hardship and is attacked by the natives. Through his words and actions, he reveals the true intentions of the trail boss. By looking at the scout, those on the trail learn what it means to be a pioneer. Next topic, Holy Spirit. In settler theology, the Holy Spirit is the saloon girl. Her job is to comfort the settlers. They come to her when they feel lonely or when life gets dull or dangerous. She tickles them under the chin and makes everything okay again. The saloon girl squeals to the sheriff when someone starts disturbing the peace. In pioneer theology, the Holy Spirit is the buffalo hunter. He rides along with the covered wagon and furnishes meat for the pioneers. Without it, they would die. The buffalo hunter is a strange character, sort of a wild man. The pioneers never can tell what he will do next. He scares the heck out of the settlers. He has a big black gun that goes off like a cannon. He rides into town on Sunday to, to shake up the settlers. You see, every Sunday morning, the settlers have a nice little ice cream party in the courthouse. With his gun in hand, the buffalo hunter sneaks up to one of the courthouse windows. He fires a tremendous blast that rattles the whole courthouse. Men jump out of their skin. Women scream. Dogs bark. Chuckling to himself, the buffalo hunter rides back to the wagon train, shooting up the town as he goes. <laughs> All right, next topic is the Christian. In settler theology, the Christian is the settler. He fears the open, unknown frontier. His concern is to stay on good terms with the mayor and keep out of the sheriff's way. Safety first is his motto. To him, the courthouse is a symbol of security, peace, order, and happiness. He keeps his money in the bank, and the banker is his best friend. The settler never misses an ice cream party. In pioneer theology, the Christian is the pioneer. He is a person of daring, hungry for new life. He rides hard, knows how to use a gun when necessary. The pioneer feels sorry for the settlers and tries to tell them of the joy and fulfillment of life on the trail. He dies with his boots on. Next topic, the clergyman or pastor. In settler theology, the clergyman is the banker. Within his vault are locked the values of the town. He is a highly respected person. He has a gun that, but keeps it hidden in his desk. He feels that he and the sheriff have a lot in common. After all, they both protect the bank. In pioneer theology, the clergyman or pastor is the cook. He doesn't furnish the meat. He just dishes up what the buffalo hunter provides. This is how he supports the movement of the wagon. He never confuses his job with that of the trail boss or the scout or the buffalo hunter. He sees himself as just another pioneer who has learned to cook. The cook's job is to help the pioneers pioneer. Next topic is faith. In settler theology, faith is trusting in the safety of the town. Obeying the laws, keeping your nose clean, believing the mayor is in the courthouse. In pioneer theology, faith is the spirit of adventure, the readiness to move out, to risk everything on the trail. Faith is obedience to the restless voice of the trail boss. Next topic, sin. In settler theology, sin is breaking one of the town ordinances. In pioneer theology, sin is wanting to turn back. Lastly, salvation. In settler theology, salvation is living close to home and hanging around the courthouse. 
In pioneer theology, salvation is being more afraid of sterile town life than of death on the trail. Salvation is joy at the thought of another day to push on into the unknown. It is trusting the trail boss and following his scout while living on the meat provided by the buffalo hunter. Story time is over. So I ask you as you heard those readings, in your own heart and mind, what caught your attention? Which description stood out to you? And honestly, most important is which one may have felt the most uncomfortable. I know the first time I heard that read, first time then I read it, there were multiple ones that felt uncomfortable. I had to be honest with God, honest with myself. Why did they feel uncomfortable? And over and over it came back to because for me, if I'm honest with you, I like to avoid pain. I like to feel comfortable. And if I don't hand myself over to God and surrender to his love, I'll want to play it safe and just keep things as easy as possible. But the Christian faith is not one of settling. It's one of going. Going. Right? We heard again Genesis 12 in terms of the call to go. We also heard from Matthew 28, right? And Jesus' great words, what's come to be known as the Great Commission. Right? When he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus said. He said, therefore, in verse 19, go. Go and make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey some things? No. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, Jesus said. And listen to this great promise in verse 20. And surely, Jesus said, surely I am with you always, always, to the very end of the age. Right? Jesus called his disciples to go and to be a a people on the go who are going. Do you know that these words are, are still in play for us today? You know, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, as Christ followers, those words apply to us by extension today. We are called to be a people on the go, on the go. So how do we go about doing this? It goes back to the beginning where we started, right? We have to look to God, look to his word, learn to trust his voice, to listen to his voice, trust his voice, follow his voice, obey his voice. And how are we to do this? Right, it involves running a race. The other reading that we heard from Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Right, knowing that we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, right, we throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And we're called to run a race. Right, run a race marked out for us with perseverance. How? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Right, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. And we see that he's the one who the joy set before him, endured that cross, scorning a shame, and sat down at the right hand of God the Father, right? We are to fix our eyes on Jesus. Who, how is he described in Hebrews? He's described as the pioneer of faith. He's the one who went first, right? Jesus went first. He is the way. He made the way. He shows us the way, and he is the way. He calls us to follow him, and he's a trailblazer. And the good news about Jesus, he didn't just run ahead and blaze a trail and then leave us to try and figure it out on our own, saying, good luck, No, he said in that great promise in Matthew 28, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Meaning he sent, he promised Holy Spirit. And God, if you're a follower of Christ, you've received the gift of the Holy Spirit, God's personal powerful presence in your life to lead you, to guide you, to heal you, to comfort you, to strengthen you, yes, to convict you, and to lead you in his ways. He is the pioneer, Jesus is the pioneer of our faith and he calls us to go. So New Providence Presbyterian Church, are you ready to move forward together? 
Are you ready to move forward together? Are you ready to be a people on the go? Are you ready to embrace a pioneer mindset and not a settler mindset? Are you willing to move forward in this way? Are you, moving, are you ready to say, let's go? If you've been with us the last nine weeks or so, the sermon series has been Let's Dance, right? And I've asked you to say Let's Dance. So just because for fun, and I like hearing you say it, let's say that again. Let's dance, right? I'm going to change that now and say Let's Go. Say that with me. Let's go. Man, I like that. That sounds good. Man, people at the corner driving by my hair. Say it one more time. Let's go, right? That is what it means. Let's go. To be a follower of Jesus means to go, to go. Again, but let's be honest. The gravitational pull a settler mindset is so strong. And I can get fired up here on a Sunday morning on Installation Sunday. You can get fired up and say, let's go. But the gravitational pull minutes later is going to say, let's settle as opposed to let's go. It's too easy to let someone else step up and help out, and maybe I'll do it later. It's easy to get just enough church and just enough Jesus to feel good about ourselves, but not fully surrender our lives and embrace all that God has for us. It's easy to kind of cakewalk and move along with life and just get pulled along by everyone else as opposed to saying, God, here I am, I'm yours. And as you embrace God's, God's story for your life, there's great joy. There's great opportunities. God has a different way for you and God has a different way for me. And that way is the pioneer way, not the way of the settler. So let's go back to our roots for one moment before I finish. Right? Before his final, before he finished, Jeff Ebert, his final sermon, I watched it online from down in Virginia, loved it. The history right, of the people here, right, in this town, in this community. If you go back into the roots, into the very soil of those who came to this area, pioneers, right, they came and they stayed, but they didn't settle. Because the people who came here, they kept working, they kept sacrificing, they kept giving of themselves, they were dedicated, they were devoted. They had a pioneer mindset. God's calling us to continue with that pioneer mindset today. Right? Yes, we're still wrestling with a pandemic, but as we look to move forward to say, we're going to continue to work together. We're going to continue to sacrifice. We're going to continue to be dedicated and devoted. And if you've not been a part of this church family, welcome. Or if you've stepped away and I say, welcome back. Come back. Be a part of this team. Be a part of what God's movement here in this community and beyond. Because God's calling us to move forward together, to go, to be a people on the go. So I want to give you one thing to remember, one thing to do, and a couple questions to consider as we finish this sermon. One thing to remember is this. God calls us not to settle, but to go with a pioneer mindset to share the life-giving love of Jesus. That's one thing to remember. One thing to do this week, commit to asking God. I ask that every single one of you do this. Just do it, whether once or every day. Commit to asking God, how are you calling me to engage or re-engage with helping NPPC live out our pioneer calling in our community? Ask that question of God. And then whatever comes back, whatever you get a sense of what that is, take a step to do it. Don't wait. So maybe you've been part of a small group or a class, but hey, with COVID, online, kind of falling through the cracks, getting busy, you've lost rejoin that group. Or if you started a group and you've lost track of it, get that group going again. Maybe if it's worship, if you're physically capable of being here on Sunday mornings, 
right? Understanding, yeah, in terms of sickness or being away, we have an online option. Or if you're joining us from far away or you're just checking New Promise Presbyterian Church online, grateful that you're joining us with that online. But the goal and expectation is, there, is to be here in person, to commit to that. It's so important. There's so many things pulling us away from God. God gives us the gift of weekly worship to refocus on him and to do it together. There's something about being in a room together worshiping God. Have you felt it today? Yeah. You can't get this on the living room couch. Maybe comfortable in your pajamas with a cup of coffee. It's just not the same. Unless you've got a family as big as mine and we're all singing. No, but the fact that like, I mean, sometimes online worship's been pretty good. No, but no, no, but like, but to be here together, right? And so whatever that is, whatever that next step is for you, whether it's to engage or re-engage with your Providence Presbyterian Church, ask that this week. God's calling you to be a part of this movement that he's creating to go and to go out from here. Lastly, ask you the question, how do you think we can start or restart sharing the life-giving love of Jesus with our community? Right, and that's gonna be the next steps as we go out. As we embrace one another and share the love of Christ with one another, then we are called to be, we're blessed to be a blessing and to send that out into our community. We're gonna ask that question. And it begins, if you wanna share the life-giving love of Jesus, and the life-giving, you, have to, you need to know God and learn how to relate to God. And that's going to be the focus of the upcoming sermon series. What does it mean and how can we grow in relating to God? Not just knowing about God or knowing a lot of facts about God, but really relating to God in a life-changing, life-restoring way. And so I invite you to come back for that sermon series in the weeks ahead as we enter into that together as a church family. Um, and we seek to grow together as followers of Christ. Are you ready to go? Are you ready to move? Vince, are you ready? Come on. <laughs> Start calling out names. Get some comfortable if that's the case. <laughs> I see you, Jan Schreier, a friend of my mom. That's good to see you out there. So, yeah. Are you ready to go? Everyone's getting nervous. I can see behind the masks. Lips are quivering. <laughs> so say those words with me. Let's go. Let's go. One more time. Let's go. All right, let's pray. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the gift of this day. God, you only could write this story. Who are you, God? You are so awesome. You are so amazing. You are full of grace and truth. Oh, God, please help every single one of us, Lord, not take you for granted. Lord, help us never to take one another for granted. Lord, you've given us this church family. You've given us this incredible church and this incredible community for such a time as this. And God, help us as a church family to discern who you're calling us to be what you're uniquely calling us to do. And as we ask the questions, why us, why here, why now, Lord, that you would renew us, strengthen us, renew our friendships, renew our connections. And for those who don't have that connection, that they would find a sense of meaningful connectedness here. Friends who care. Life is hard, God. It's, we need others to help face life's challenges together, Lord. May that be the case. Help us to be a people on the go with a pioneer mindset constantly resisting a settler mindset that so easily, easily can pull us down. We need grace to do this. This is uncomfortable for some of us or many of us or all of us. But God, you are a grace-filled God. You are going to show us the way. So we look to you. We thank you for Jesus, and we pray this in his name. Amen.